0: I think you're, like, the camera's a little high, no? Normally, right. you see more of the shirt. That's why I didn't know which, which shirt you were wearing. Something is, maybe that's better. Yeah, it's a little bit better. Yeah. It's not better. It is Monday night, generational change. I'm Jen.
1: I'm Peter. And Jen has uh, had quite the day.
0: Oh, no, I'm- today i lost year of my life at least today it was horrifying for anybody who has ever chased down a lost dog Lulu took off and like ran into the woods in the mountains and I never thought I was going to see her again I couldn't breathe for a while I was like freaking uh, out
1: well of course and I I was uh, pretty shaken up myself about it because she's not what you would consider a survival type dog. No.
0: And she is not an outdoor dog (laughs) like it was crazy. She's never wandered off. This is a dog that very rarely goes outside of like a four foot perimeter of me like she is on me all the time. So it was weird. She just went off. That was the scariest. I was like running through the mountains behind people's houses, shrieking for her. It was it was not good.
1: So what do you think ultimately caused her to run?
0: Uh, I have no idea. I think she was just following new smells and just wandered off. You know, I mean, she is old. So there's other behaviors. You know, having a senior dog is not necessarily easy. But um, yeah, there's always the first. But that will be the last. I assure you that won't ever happen again.
1: Yeah, uh, I would imagine now you're going to be watching her like a hawk uh, every which way. Yeah, I mean, there there are so
0: many things that could have gone wrong from where we are to where she ended up. And it's honestly, if it were not for the mountain people, I got to tell you, it was like two neighbors came running. There was sort of this like. And I'm up this very, it's a very small street. It's like, it's not really a holler because we're not in that, but it's like a very small little street and everyone knows everybody. And the next thing you know, like this mountain phone tree thing was activated and some lady on a off-road vehicle came and took me and drove me up to find her and these other people found her. Like, it was crazy. And I kept thinking like, if that had happened in my neighborhood at home, nobody would have helped me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You're right, and I do think that there is something to be said about the different cultures that do exist in this country. Because oh, when you man. think about, you know, what it's like to, you know, live in the the urban dwelling mm-hmm. and things like that, and it's not that people don't necessarily care. I mean, let's not misconstrue. I don't think there's anything that you could say that would in, would sort of in, you know. would suggest for whatever reason that these, uh, you know, people that like, let's say live in the area that we live in down in South Florida, that they don't necessarily care. I just
0: think that, that because I think the truth is, is that when you're in places where people are struggling more, so places that are more expensive, more crowded, more urban, that people have less time to be concerned with other people. When you're in places here where it's slow, less expensive to live, and, and and there's also this huge um, economic diversity that exists where I am, which I very much appreciate. So it's just a different life. These people have more time to care. They've chosen to have an easier life.
2: And you know what I'm saying? Dropped, so that's yeah, why. They dropped
1: everything. They were right there. Yeah. Front and center to lend a hand, and they didn't, and it wasn't like they were doing it for five minutes. They were basically- Uh,
0: Not only that, but I don't live here. I'm just in an Airbnb. I'm not even their usual, I'm not their neighbor.
1: Yeah, no, they really, uh, they came through, and and you got- I'm telling you,
0: this is why I belong here. These are more my peeps.
1: Well, like you say, can't judge a book by its cover, but without further ado, we are obviously very pleased to always welcome back a friend of the show who knows a thing or two about Let's not judge a book by its cover. Uh, There are many cross sections of our society. And for those people that live in big cities or in the more boony areas, uh, there is a lot of humanity out there. And that is something that we kind of uh, have lost sight of. And especially today in light of what could have been a disastrous set of circumstances, Lulu thankfully is fine. And with a little help from your new friends, uh, you are able to find her relatively quickly. And that is obviously great. So of course, our esteemed guest, Mr. Picon, uh, he may not be a dog person, but he certainly has a lot of love for the feline and can certainly espouse what that means because the relationship with our pets- No, like let me tell
0: you something. I honestly, and I have a healthy respect for the feline, but after today, How anybody can have a connection to an animal that can freely wander outside and they can still like not be panicked. I don't understand.
1: Yeah. Well, as I like to say, they are they are your children. They are. And I think that we can. uh, It's like if I'm on social media, what do I want to look at? I just want to look at cat and dog videos doing fun, cute stuff, because that's really what social media was supposed to be anyway. Uh, We need to get a little bit back to that. Oh, of course, we have many issues to talk about. This <coughs> he is the host of Get Your News On with Ron. You have seen him time and again on a lot of different channels, including our friends over at Status Quo. He is delivering the news one funny story at a time. Ron Placone, welcome back as always to Generational Change.
3: What's up, everybody? Good to see you. That was the uh, that was the greatest intro ever. Speaking of dogs that get lost in the mountains, this next guy, Ron Placone, <laughs> I love it. I want that Peter's to be my was very forever. smooth with
0: his segues <laughs> it was perfect
3: it was beautiful it really was and uh oh and by the way a quick aside I, I do uh I do love dogs as well I mean I I, I have a cat but I, I love dogs too and also just FYI in case people weren't aware there are a lot of cats out there who don't go outside at all my cat is one of them she does not go outside Good for so you I, and good for I don't for have her. to worry about her wandering off. It, right. and, and yeah, you, you should have an indoor cat if you can. There's a lot of, especially where I live in California, because there's a lot of coyotes out there.
0: Right. And interestingly, here where I am, the people that live here, their dogs and cats are totally safe outside. Like that Lulu's just on and like, she's not used to it, but the only animals really here are deer and bunnies. So she'd actually be okay. She would just probably lie down and die because she wouldn't know how to find food.
3: (laughs) Right. Well, I'm glad you found her. I'm glad (laughs) you found her. Yeah. And I think
1: probably the bigger concern, of course, being out in, you know, the Western Carolina mountains is, you know, there's bears, there's deer, there's a whole bunch of different, you know, creatures that are out there. And a little lady like her, I mean, I, I'm sure that that was probably the biggest concern.
0: I was scared. A beautiful to area. To fall in a ditch.
1: Yeah, no, it's absolutely gorgeous. I mean, uh, I personally prefer. That's also the thing about California. You know, unlike Florida uh, in California, you've got you have everything. if you don't particularly like the coastline and you don't like the, you know, overdone suburban sprawl, urban sprawl and all that. All you have to do is go east, you know. Yeah. 40, 50 miles, you're in a completely different state and, you know, completely different type of lifestyle, depending on what you're looking for. In Florida, it's mostly until you get up to, you know, the northern, real northern part of the state, it's, it's all flatland, farmland, and, you know, just people trying to live that uh, coastal lifestyle. But, it, you know, the cost of uh, the cost of living in Florida is getting close to California territory, which is not saying much.
3: Really? Is it that bad? Jeez. Oh, yeah.
0: In the, in our urban areas, it's out of control. In nice. the, in the south three counties, and then in Hillsborough, like over in Tampa, St. Pete, and around Orlando, it's gotten out of control.
3: Mm, that's not good.
1: No. So you you wanted to come on and talk about a few different stories this evening. One in particular that you and Jen uh, had a very important focus on, and that of course is this. Uh, look, I, I still maintain, and will always maintain. That the culture war, especially when it comes to trans rights, is one big distraction from the economic class war. It is done as a wedge divide to pick on the most vulnerable people in society. What a shock. And then, of course, uh, you know, we see these draconian laws that are being put forward all the time, including here in the state of Florida, where uh, it's getting to the point of, uh, I guess what you would call, handmaid's tale uh type territory where they want to check under your skirt to you know see what's um, on they're
0: there. literally trying to amass a registry
1: yeah it's of a literal registry
0: people
3: yeah like, like that's not an embellishment it is a straight up registry yeah right? like that's exactly what it is and it is just so freaking disturbing and florida's not the only culprit they're the main culprit they're leading the way but they're not the only culprit.
0: So what was the story that you were focused on? Like, my attention has been with this case in Tennessee, I'm sure you're familiar with. Um, But then Peter had forwarded me something that you were interested in that sort of related. It's on the same in the same vein. And I'm sorry to say I did not have time to read it because I was chasing my dog through the mountains. But so talk about whatever that instance is, because I feel like we're on the same page with this.
3: Yeah, totally. Well, well, the the piece that I forwarded y'all was from an outlet called Pogo. And, you know, I'm a big digital rights person. Most people (laughs) who follow these spaces know that about me. I talk about it a good bit. And this particular piece really focuses on how surveillance tools are being used to basically create these registries how they're using different online surveillance tools, um, everything from facial recognition software to databases to the reporting of sensitive health information that Ron DeSantis in particular is now requiring. So, you know, I'm of the persuasion that digital rights are human rights. And here's something that really supports that sentiment. I mean, here you have these surveillance tools that are not used for good ever, and here they are being used for something, uh, I think, particularly despicable, where they're literally making a registry of a group of people, which is uh, which is very frightening. Just <laughs> straight up.
1: Right very now. accurate uh, you know, image from the article. I think it really speaks to just this obsession Um, with this particular topic and You know, I I pointed out a a while back um, I don't remember who the guest was on the podcast at the time, but I I pointed out the hypocrisy of What the political right is doing particularly somebody like Matt Walsh who does what he does for a career? Um, It's a very lucrative um, angle that he's been playing for the past, you know, two years plus plus. And so by doing so, uh, he was on, uh, Joe Rogan's podcast and was asked specifically, you know, how many, how many kids are trying to transition in this country right now? And he threw a number out there. Uh, what, do you remember, uh, the exact number? I think it was, what what do you say? Like four or 5 million or something like that? It was millions.
2: Yeah, it said millions.
1: millions. And it turns out it's about five to 6,000 in the entire country. And so by doing that, uh, you create a level of hysteria that's just not there, that just doesn't exist. And by well, doing then, that- Didn't
3: Bill Maher do something similar? Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. You mean with,
0: with like hype, with wrong statistics and stuff? Um, I just wanted to say something before I forget, like along the lines of this registry, and I don't know if you were also familiar with in Tennessee that the attorney, this, the attorney general, uh, requested, demanded, and somehow was able to procure medical records from Vanderbilt University Hospital regarding everybody that had received tra- um, trans, you know, gender-affirming care, mm-hmm. and that, to me, like, that, to me, that's a registry, because if you're, like, and, and a massive HIPAA violation, I might add, but I'm sorry, continue.
3: Uh, yeah, no, the, the thing from Bill Marm referring to, I don't, I don't think it was like a specific statistic, but he said something along like, like he tried to make this joke about how, Oh, there's more transgender people now because we're talking about it. Like, like basically equating being transgender to a fad, which is so disgusting and, and just so completely disrespectful to a group of people. And also just Nonsense. I mean, it's like, yeah, if more people feel like they're okay to be open about who they are, first of all, that's a good thing. Second of all, that that doesn't, yeah, that doesn't mean it's a trend, Bill. Sheesh.
0: Well, that's the whole mentality, and this is something I have yet to have somebody with any real credibility explain to me this concept of grooming, because mm. the only groomer that I know is the one that cleans the dog. So like, I'm not quite sure what they mean by groomers, um, but I don't, like that's not a thing that happens. Well, where it team. has to, no, there's groomers in terms of pedophiles. That's true. But in terms of people creating, like if, if a teacher is gay or trans, they're not grooming your kids to be gay or trans. That's absurd.
1: I, I would also, I would also venture that depending on the specific circumstance, You know, there are there is validity like to I mean, this movie that just came out, um, uh, Chimes of Freedom or whatever the name is. It's the Jim Caviezel film about uh, child trafficking. And it is blowing up. And I do think that there is validity to that specific issue. But here's the problem with the conservative right is that if you're going to talk about grooming, you're going to talk about, you know, abuse of children, things like that. If you are not pointing the finger at at the church, then I don't want to hear what you have to say because it's the most obvious place where abuse takes place and they have been protected forever. If you were going after the church, as hard as you're going after these supposed, you know, you know, uh, drag show, you want to call, uh, you know, parental enablers and stuff like that. Okay. You're still way out in left field, but you're not even being honest about the situation. You're making it a political agenda. How people don't see this, I, I don't know what you're looking at, because to me, that is one of the biggest amisses of all of this. The, ch- the child abuse that goes on within religious institutions. Is or in Hollywood.
0: Like, can we talk about Hollywood, that? Like talking about some that. of that stuff.
1: Yeah, but you're never going to see that coming from this angle, because for them, like the Matt Walsh's of the world, this is a this is about making money, first and foremost. If people can't see that, I don't know what they're looking at.
3: Well, you know, it's like I, uh, I, I say this in my act. I, I got to be totally fair here. You know, there was a story that broke about a year ago where in my neighborhood where I grew up in western Pennsylvania, there were over 20 uh, drag performers that were doing some inappropriate things with children. And uh, one of them was actually at my grade school. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. Did I say drag performer? I meant Catholic priests. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm sorry. Over 20 Catholic priests <laughs> who were in Western Pennsylvania. And one of them was at my grade school when I was there. So, and,
1: and it's 10 times worse because, you know, the archdiocese in all of the major cities, whether it's Pittsburgh, I mean, if, if any of you have not seen the movie Spotlight, uh, with Michael Keaton and Mark Ruffalo, highly recommend um, that was about the Boston Archdiocese and what they were doing. Uh, it's not like there's this epidemic which exists of priests abusing children and dealing with them appropriately. It's we're not only going to not prosecute these priests, we're going to keep them in the parish and just pass them off to another one somewhere oh, else yeah. in the country and completely hide the records of what was going on. And the fact that that is not at the forefront of the discussion of child abuse in this country, I would be right there with that agenda if they were willing to tackle this head on. But they're not going to do it because they're they're in lies where a lot of their funding probably comes from, their support comes from online. There is no denying it. If you are going to go after a particular topic there cannot be any guardrails to, well, if we go in this direction, we might piss off these people. No, either you have a real agenda that you're fighting for, or you're just trying to line your own pockets. And as long as, you know, us respectively have been in the political arena, it, people are just looking for the next grift that's going to allow them to continue whatever the hell this is that's, you know, and again, innocent children are being subjugated to this BS and all the while, the issue at bar is not being dealt with. We're distracted constantly from the fact that we don't have health care, which let's be honest, if we did, we would not hear anywhere near these amount of stories when it comes to, you know, whether kids are getting proper mental health coverage, whether they're getting proper physical uh, health needs and things of that nature. You know, it's it's always trying to deal with some pro, ancillary problem that isn't dealing with the core problem. and. For those that, you know, get marred down in this, I, I don't have time for it. I, I wish more people could just keep their eye on the prize because they're using trans kids as a distraction as far as I can see.
3: Oh, absolutely, yeah. man. Well, and, and also, you know, you're talking about what our kids are really going through today. I mean, how about look at school shootings? Look at these shooter drills that are freaking traumatic for kids. And it's just normal now. It's just normal. They go through these shooter drills. You, you talk to people with kids. They're like, yeah, my kid had nightmares. For like months after the shooter drills, so so we're we're exposing them to this stuff uh, because it's part of our society now. Meanwhile, we're not doing anything to make it better, and we're worried about whether or not they see the penis on the David statue. Uh, we're worried about a, a person in drag reading them a story. Like what the hell? I, I mean, it's just so it's just so bizarre, and and it's like. You couldn't pitch what's going on right now as a dystopian movie because they'd, they'd say it's too far-fetched. No one would buy this. There's no way a society would go this far off the deep end. But we're freaking there. And with all due respect, Florida, y'all are leading the way. Holy shit. What's in the water in your state? Yeah. we got our problems in California, but my God. We yeah, we've been,
0: we've been taken hostage by a small red cabal That, you know, in Tallahassee, but that is not representative of our state. It really isn't. And we, we do tend to be a populist state and fairly middle of the road and clearly did not have the eye on the ball for a long enough time that this cabal was able to infiltrate and take over. But they do not speak for the majority of people in the state. They just don't.
3: Oh, I believe you. Cause I, I mean, I, I love performing in Florida. That's one of my favorite places to play. I, I, I love visiting y'all state. Uh, Gainesville is one of my favorite college towns. Uh, I've had great times in Miami, Orlando, uh, even the pan. I, I love the panhandle. I mean, I really do. I like, we had, we had a lot of lefties show up to our shows in the panhandle, but, uh, but yeah, wow. Rick Scott told me I'm not welcome. Uh, <laughs> you know, like it's just, well, uh, you
0: know, but here's the thing. I, I'm very curious If Rick Scott could define what a communist, a socialist or a Marxist was. And the fact that in his first sentence, he somehow, you know, brought those things in with big government is hilarious to me. He doesn't know what it even is.
3: No, I don't think he does. I mean, I I think and and other people kind of said this, like anyone to his left is a, a communist or a socialist to him. So that's that's most people. Like that that's literally most people in the world. Like most people in the world are to that guy's left. He is like a fringe, you know, anywhere outside of the United States, he wouldn't even be on the spectrum of political ideology. We don't like
0: him. We don't like him. He's just so rich that he's able to keep buying seats. Like nobody likes him. I have yet to meet one person who likes him,
1: not one. And that's the big difference between Rick Scott and and uh, yes. and Ron DeSantis is a lot of people like Ron DeSantis even which is frightening know. yeah which is also, which is
3: very frightening
1: it's it's well a lot has changed in the last six months let's <clears throat> keep it let's keep it a hundred percent on that one uh, but in terms of uh, just overall you know political decision making I mean Rick Scott is as bad as anybody I've ever seen he's the richest person in the Senate and the overwhelming majority of the money he's made was due to Medicare fraud. Um, So he literally made his money through the blood of other people. And to say that he's a soulless prick would be the nicest way to describe him. And unfortunately, he's going to be reelected very comfortably next year because the Democratic Party in Florida is a complete disaster. Um, You know, we've already covered this, but the keynote speaker uh, on Saturday uh, at the Democratic Blue Gala, which of course was held at Fontainebleau in Miami, why the hell wouldn't you do it at a place in the state where they could really use the extra money it's not like miami beach needs more money there are plenty of places where they could have chosen to do this and had more of a you know we're we're redoing the democratic party we're getting back to our roots type of thing and so their guest speaker was actor bradley whitford and bradley whitford who really likes to put himself out there as you know a deborah messing type uh you know democratic party sycophant liberal decided that just before he came down to Florida, he was going to put out a tweet about how much he hates progressives and how the hell they didn't just get in line for Hillary Clinton in 2016 and all would be fine if it wasn't for that. So I'm thinking, yeah, well, if you really want to know why Rick Scott keeps winning elections and he's so effing terrible, well, you have to have some semblance of competition on the other side. And if there was, if there was any type of infrastructure, solid candidates, things like that, I think he probably would have been knocked out a number of years ago. Stands to reason now why he's going to win again next year and is able to get away with the absolute vomit that comes out of his mouth constantly. I think only because of Ron DeSantis have we not heard as much from Rick Scott over the last few years. Either way, you're screwed. But I'm glad I don't hear as much from him. But when he talks, and honestly, it's like listening to Debbie talk. It's that bad.
3: Wow. Yeah, that's. Uh, I, I wasn't familiar with that that tweet or that meeting, but uh, they're still spinning the old uh, Hillary record, huh? They're still freaking seven years later. <laughs> they're still spinning that easily debunkable nonsense, and they're already starting on twenty twenty four. Which, which, wow, it's going to be a long season. It's going to be a long freaking season. It's already started, which Before is
1: ridiculous. We Before we hop into that, I just want to give everybody kind of an overview highlight of this article regarding police and gender. Florida is not alone in focusing surveillance efforts, The uh, surveillance efforts, that's amazing, on trans people. In Missouri, a Kansas City hospital sued the state's attorney general this April rather than comply with 54 requests for patient health data about gender-affirming care procedures. Last year in Texas, Attorney General Ken Paxton, boy, is he a real winner, Um, Ken Paxton is, uh, i I no, I'm thinking of the Lieutenant Governor who said that you should die for capitalism when it was COVID. Uh, Request that the Texas Department of Public Safety provide a list of every person who has changed their gender on a Texas driver's license during the previous two years. The office ultimately complied a list uh, of over 16,000 Texans and it was not provided to the Office of the Attorney General because of accuracy concerns. But according to privacy and uh, data, data privacy and trans rights activists, surveillance of trans people extend far beyond requests so it's pretty much telling you uh the direction that they want to take this issue in you know they are really hell-bent on trying to make a mountain out of a molehill and look i i think that there is something to be said for one's opinion about how much you know say is there for parents regarding their children I don't have any issue. No,
0: parents do not feel that way in Florida. I'm a parent in Florida. And no, we do not feel that way. I find it infuriating. I
1: I mean, again, I'm not a parent, so I can't speak to it. But I I think that, again, this this becomes an issue where how long can we keep distracting people from the realities of our economic plight? And we do not have health care. And we do not have... A robust labor movement—it's constantly being stymied, despite the fact that apparently Joe Biden's the greatest union president we've ever had. Go Bidenomics!
0: Uh, Come on, snaps for Bidenomics.
1: That's a real winner. Uh, You know, we have endless war. Uh, We have a uh, runaway—you know—criminal justice system that is trying to figure out new ways to put people behind bars. In fact, I think I read the other day there's a. I don't know if it's a person in California, but uh, they basically told them we have to fill these beds. Otherwise, you're going to you need to get like, you know, 30 percent of the hospital isn't filled. So we need to get more people in there. It, it's it's just a reflection overall of, of how far we've sunk. And and I'm wondering, Ron, if you think that there's uh, if, the, if it, there's really more to it than, you know, some concerned parents about kids transitioning or, you know, overall, this is really just one big distraction from the economic plight that we face every
3: day. Oh, I, th- I think that's just a uh, that's just a red herring excuse. I, I mean, I think when when you really look at I mean, especially like the the details of uh, the don't say gay bill uh, that, that Ron DeSantis put forward, when you really look at what's in that bill, it, it's not about like, oh, parents need to have a say. No, all it's about is it's about making getting resources for LGBTQ students that much harder. That's all it's really about. It's just trying to make their lives even harder than it already frickin' is. Uh, and it's all about keeping track of a group of people. It's freaking Orwellian and disturbing. And, you know, same with all of his book bans and all that other nonsense. So, yeah, no, I, I just, I mean, that, that's my take on it. I, I think when you really look into all the nitty-gritty of those bills, and, you know, I read it. I mean, it's a completely ridiculous, draconian bill that just takes autonomy away from students in a situation where they need it. And uh, and it's it's bullshit. It's dehumanizing bullshit.
0: Yeah, I mean, my take is generally the same thing. They just don't like the LGBTQ community. They just don't. They just don't like them. And they're going to continue to do things to pick on them. And it's just that really what we have is that the transgender community is the low hanging fruit for them Um, and and the most vulnerable people to pick on. But they can try to rationalize any which way, but they've already contradicted themselves into so many pretzels that there is no rational reason. There are general people in the public that do express concern for children that are getting care prior to being 18. Um, There are well-intended people in the world that do think that, but the people that are hyping this up politically, they absolutely know that this is, that this is harmful and they're doing it politically for gain. And it's really disgusting because there are people that are feeding off of this.
3: Totally. And, and, and that's the thing that, uh, that's the thing that really freaks me out about your guy, DeSantis. He, he's able to sort of like make these horrible pieces of legislation, like sound reasonable when he's talking to his base. And when, when you read between the lies, you're like, no, this is not reasonable at all. You're a freaking psychopath. But, uh, but he's able to kind of like, like when people say, oh, well he's boring and stuff. I'm like, yeah, that that's, that's what freaks me out the most. People, people think that he's reasonable. Meanwhile, he is like a million times nuttier than Trump, a million times more dangerous in my opinion. And, uh, I hope his popularity is waning. I know I know people are saying it is. I hope that's the truth. I have my doubts.
1: I think his popularity is waning for a handful of reasons. The most obvious one and this is what I tell people who are neutral observers um and that I have conversations with politically all the time. Unfortunately, trans rights is a losing issue, but abortion is a winning issue. And no more is that obvious than DeSantis's decision to pass the six week abortion uh, ban bill here in Florida. That's a a ban, it's a ban. It is, it is a ban, uh, because most women don't even know that they're pregnant at that point anyway. So as a result, uh, and this I thought was a very, uh, it was a very telltale sign the moment he signed it, uh, almost immediately the Florida GOP congressional delegation almost in unison endorsed Trump right after that happened. It was almost as if they had gotten word on internal polling throughout the country that DeSantis will lose more than likely. Although if he's up against Biden, I wouldn't put anything past him winning. Right. Uh, but ultimately, the, you know, if it, whatever given scenario it would be, you know, let's just say things change and it's somebody like, we'll say Newsom, is the general election candidate on the Democratic side, no, or even good. somebody like RFK. That is the case then DeSantis will likely lose because an abortion ban is not going to play. And anyone who knows anything about national campaigning will easily, easily be able to show what happens when you take away a woman's bodily autonomy. And it has been the case in red states like Kentucky, Kansas, and Montana, that when the voters have the opportunity to codify Roe v. Wade, they do it in overwhelming numbers. And these are in very red states. So to me, That speaks more so to why his polling has really tapered off in a lot of ways. And the extremism is something that this country, I think, has had enough of in a lot of ways. Uh, And he, because of his ego and his hubris, continues to double down. He doesn't have any time to self-reflect and say, maybe that wasn't a good decision. Maybe we need to rethink this. No, it's I'm well, always because right. he's
3: a demagogue. I mean, I think that's actually who he is. I, I don't think I mean, the difference, the big difference between him and Trump is that I, I don't think Trump has any ideology. I think Trump nah. just surrounds himself I with agree. a bunch of clowns. And if you compliment his hair, he's on board with you. DeSantis well, is
1: totally incredible. Rod, have you seen my hair? Yeah, really yeah,
3: incredible. Yeah. DeSantis, on the other hand, I think, is the actual legit theocratic fascist. He really does feel that way. Uh, he's insane. And man, I, I, maybe you're right, Peter. I, I I think that's all, everything you just said, totally plausible, but holy shit, how depressing is when you're just like, well, what if it's Gavin Newsom or RFK? I'm like, oh my God, fucking really? Or Joe Rip Van Reagan, Joe Biden, like, oh Jesus, these are our, uh. Yeah. That is well, so you know, sad.
1: Before we before we jump, into so, the sea, it look.
0: It's, this is definitely as it's heading right now. This is definitely a very green election for me. Like I like oh, where we time. are right now. That's the only, the only thing I can see that would work for me. So, you know, yeah,
3: well here, before we jump to that, I I, I want to say one more quick thing on, on the, on the, uh, on the, the, uh, the surveillance issues, folks go to bad internet bills.com. That's bad internet bills.com. Uh, it kind of sums up all the digital rights legislations that are being used to put together these registries. And uh, you can sign that petition to tell your elected officials that you are against these policies. And it summarizes all of them so you can, you know, read yourself, do your own research. You don't have to just take my word for it, but go to badinternetbills.com. That's badinternetbills.com. Yeah, Check
0: that's the, that's some scary big brother crap going on out there.
3: No kidding.
1: Well, that's what we get every day. Um, and it is unfortunate that, you know, there are good points being put forward by even the two primary challengers that are out there right now. Um, but of course they're filled with their own political holes, if you will. And that's just the system that we unfortunately are stuck with right now. But I think it is safe to say that the best candidate that is running for president at the moment without question is Dr. Cornell West. And there are a lot of people who will criticize him for not running in the two party system, but It's kind of like our friends Keaton and Russell over at Dissonance of Insane, which is uh, at some point, somebody is going to need to mount some semblance of a formidable third party challenge to give people the opportunity to get away from the two party stranglehold that has been just just destroying our country for so long. And even if it means uh, whether it is a question of Trump winning again um, or obviously even worse, DeSantis winning there comes a point where the people are just simply not going to take it anymore. And day by day, we see just what an e- epic disaster of such immense proportions that President Biden is. And what makes it worse is that he is the president. He has the authority to do things to make it not even a question that you even think about you know, voting for Cornel West in the, in the Green Party. It's we are going to deliver on behalf of the American people. And after going through a, a one term of Trump, you would think that that would be enough of an alarm bell, five alarm fire, if you will, for them to say, OK, we really need to give some economic populism to the working class of this country. And instead, it was the worst possible scenario of having status quo, Joe. And now you're seeing the prospect of somebody like it, DeSantis coming along. How is it that we've been talking about this for so long, yet so many people want to pretend it's not happening?
3: yeah no, I feel you, man and and yeah I, it, and you know to, to speak on the cornell West thing i mean i'm 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 happy he's running. I'm glad he's running as a green i I do get the argument like, oh he should run as a Democrat, like I understand that argument. I'm not gonna say like there's not anything to that argument i I, I take the point, but here's the deal. I mean, they have been so they being the democratic establishment have been so just blunt about the fact that there is not going to be a primary process. There are not going to be debates. There is not going no one is going to get a fair shake. It's just simply not <laughs> going to happen. So him running as a green. Well, now there's a chance that the greens could get to 5% in the general. Now there, there is a viable chance of that happening, especially at a time where so many people are completely disenfranchised with the two party system, maybe more so than ever before. So, you know, I, I, I'm i glad he's doing it the way he's doing it.
0: Yeah, that's how I feel, too. At this point, it's I think it's safe to say that the DNC is not very democratic. OK, yeah. so so to, to try to go that route, I just don't see how that would work when it hasn't worked in the like I just don't see what would how that would work.
3: Yeah, I mean, and it'd be great if they would have. I, I mean, I would love to see, you know, even though I, I, I have my disagreements with every single person on that stage, I would still love to see, you know, a debate. And, and I, I'd love to see Marianne challenge him on domestic policy and, and even RFK challenge him on foreign policy um, and, you know, just see where that goes. But but it's, not gonna it's likely not going to happen.
1: Yeah. And that's even worse because there are a number of issues that both Marianne and RFK support that I think are significant. We have to do something about our foreign policy, particularly with Ukraine. And now you've got the, the cluster bombs that now we're sending over there. It's only going to make this war even worse. It's you know, you can't uh, you can't what's the you, you can't get uh, to an end point with more fire. It's not going to work. And so it's going to become a major campaign issue. Then you have the issue of even something like Julian Assange, which when we think about press freedom and the problems that we're seeing with censorship all the time, you know, both Marianne and RFK have been. And obviously, Dr. West have been adamant about these being a couple of very important issues. And then, of course, you think about, you know, universal health care which is so important. You see that ridiculous tweet that Biden put out the other day saying, on my watch, you know, I support everyone's right to health care. And I'm thinking, you know, we put out a tweet that said, here it is, clear as day that you said you do not support universal health care on top of which you would veto the bill if it got to your desk.
3: Yeah, he's a... Yeah, it, it's, it's so disgusting when they do shit like that. And uh, and yeah, I mean... It, it's... Oh, would you
1: agree that we're getting to a period of... Because like I said, back in like 2015, 2016, where a lot of us had our a sort of awakening, if you will, uh, I think a lot of us are more seasoned veterans now and a lot of people that are following politics. They're not as easily fooled anymore. They're not going to be convinced that, oh my God, the boogeyman is coming to get us. No, actually...
3: I want to agree with that. I really yeah. do.
1: I think people are just getting a little too hip to what's going on. So when somebody like that puts out that message of, oh, well, I totally support health care. Uh, no, sir. Actually, right here, it says you don't support it at all. And you've kind of been against it forever. So why the hell should we trust you now? And the more they try to suppress this message of what RFK, Marianne and Dr. West are saying, I think that's only emboldening them more. And it's only emboldening Trump even more as well.
3: Yeah. Uh, I agree with some of what you said there. I, I mean, I, I actually don't think people are more hip to being fooled. I, I think to a degree, that's true. I, I think maybe people are more, they're seeing through the democratic establishment more, but I, I think that a lot of people, they, they cling to these contrarian things very, very easily. Um, and, and that, has not stopped since, I would say, 2016. I think RFK is a prime example of that. There are people who believe that guy is an actual leftist. I have yet for anybody to coherently explain to me how. How is the guy who is against Medicare for all, uh, who has no climate plan whatsoever, who takes Wall Street money, who has ties to the CIA, who never missed an, an, an opportunity to endorse a Clinton ever, Ever, who said something nice about Bernie and immediately had to backtrack about it on his website. How is that guy your true leftist? That is comically absurd. The political fan fiction that happens in this country is is staggering, and it happens on all sides online. It happens with Trump all the time, like like, like Trump's anti-establishment. What a funny fan fiction story that is. By what standard? He's been the guy on the inside in D.C. He's been the guy on the outside buying politicians his entire life. He's a freaking plutocrat to the nth degree. Ron DeSantis is the real outsider. Cool story, bro. He's a theocratic fascist. So, uh, uh, Peter, I, I don't share your optimism that oh, people are seeing through stuff now. Maybe a little bit. Maybe they see through something like Joe Biden. They've been seeing through Joe Biden for years. This is a guy who failed his way up into the presidency. He had well, to Joe drop wins. out before because of plagiarism. He's well, a freaking clown praying. show.
1: Yeah, he Jen, didn't even. He, he can't win. Wait, he what? Win. Jen's been saying that there's no way Joe can win re-election. Like there's no, there's no, there's no way against anybody.
3: I don't think so either. I, I think the only reason he won in 2020 was because the Trump administration mishandled the pandemic what? so
1: hard. Thank you. So it. hard. That's that people were just, which that really is that is the only reason.
3: And that is such a lesson to the American people. Here's what the American people really should have taken away from 2020: Republicans, which by the way, Republicans and Democrats, same owners. Republicans hate you so much they would risk losing the White House instead of giving you a UBI for two months. They could have given us a universal UBI for like two months. If they did that, Trump would have won. They knew that they didn't want to do it because they hate poor people that much. Democrats hate you so much that they would rather not help you at all than let Trump look good for two seconds. They didn't even want to push for those other checks because they knew Trump's signature would be on them. The big thing that they have bipartisan support on is how much they hate you. They just hate you. And Joe Biden. Wow. It's like uh, uh Lord Ashcraft said this to me first. She's like, talk about failing up. That is the dictionary definition of failing up into the presidency. Been on the wrong side of pretty much everything for 50 fucking years. He goes up <laughs> against a guy who shot himself in the dick 25 times when it comes to everything having to, t- to do with the pandemic. So a bunch of people who haven't voted in 20 years just decided this guy's just got to go. He's freaking clueless. Let's put this other clueless guy in there. Welcome to American politics. Holy shit.
0: Yeah, I don't think he can win again. He barely won last time. I I have said many times that I don't think he won as much as Trump lost. Yeah. And when we and you know, we spend a lot of time canvassing, a lot of time canvassing. So, we get a sense of enthusiasm and things like that. So, When Joe was in that 20 race, when we were out canvassing, we saw very, very few signs for Joe Biden and we live in the bluest county in Florida, okay? So even during that general election, and I would say, and and the one prior, there were definitely Hillary signs, There were. I mean, there was definitely we saw that, you know, that there was a lot of local support for Hillary for sure. And when Biden was running in the general, we're out canvassing. I didn't see very, very few Biden signs. That's not a good sign.
1: Mm -hmm. I agree. And it's only can't win again. Yeah. And it's only going to get worse because of, you know, what was reflective in, you know, the the gal event over the weekend and it's just reflective in the way that the cu- country uh, and, and again a friend of the show zana day who was on with jordan on status quo earlier had brought up the fact that it, only a decade ago you had maybe a, a quarter to a third of the population that truly identified as being independent whereas today it's about two-thirds of the population right that, even if they're registered within the party they really are politically independent they don't want to be in the party maybe yeah. by you know, in, in our circumstances, like we're both registered Democrats, but that's because in the state of Florida, you have to be registered within one of the two major parties. If you want to have any electoral impact whatsoever, in other oh, yeah. states, you have a little bit more you know,
3: freedom. Yeah, here, here in California, we have it. I'm, I'm actually I'm not registered as anything right now. Uh, like I'm just no party preference, but I'm thinking about registering green just to vote for Cornell in the the primary or. well, Well, I'll hear everybody out. But um, but, you know, I'm, I'm definitely I would like to have a say in that primary. So I'm thinking about green entering. But um, but, yeah, I know not every state's like that. I know that uh, my cousin lives in North Carolina and he told me he registered his no party preference because he, he's like, I don't want to be part of either of these two parties. And he got his first ballot and he's like, you know, the only thing I was able to vote for. The day that garbage gets collected. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, some states that they they you really don't have a choice. You have to, unless you just basically don't want to be able to vote. So I, I, well, I get it. It sucks. Well,
0: that's. I mean, we're definitely stuck. I'm always very honest about that. Like, I am registered as a Democrat, but I don't agree with them, and I don't like mm-hmm. them, and I don't really affiliate with them. But it's the only way I get to participate in a primary, and there is a better chance of there being more like-minded people in that group than there would be for me in the Republican group. That's it. That's, that's the measure of why I'm registered as a Democrat.
3: Totally. Well, and, and also just to kind of speak on that too, like, like I'm not trying to make it out like here in California, everything's roses in that department. Like, yes, you don't have to register with a party as much so as in other States. However, because we are so monolithic, where basically the Democrats control everything, there are certain types of uh, offices and what have you that if you don't run as a Democrat, you, you just have no chance in hell. Like like there's certain offices at the state level. You know that's why when people are like, "Well, do you refuse to vote for anyone with a D? It's like, no, that that's a ridiculous. I'm gonna vote for the person, and I don't really care what's next to their name because there's gonna be situations where it's like they, they might not have a choice unless they don't care about winning at all, you know. And okay. there's certain things at the state level in California. Where it's like, yeah, you really don't have a choice because you have to get endorsements from various clubs, from various unions. And if you don't have that D next to your name, you have no fucking chance at getting that. That's why we see the opposite extreme where we see like Republicans registering as Democrats. So so in California, we have registered Democrats that literally span the range of Trumpers and people who support Mitch McConnell. Right two actual socialists who just don't have a choice, and they're all registered in the same political party. See, which how is ridiculous absurd. Is that? It's, it's so a, it,
0: it's absurd. It's ridiculous. This is abs- it is. It's just it's ridiculous. Like we're all running around knowing that this is not a, a, a thing where it's fitting most people. We have one corporate party. Stuff. It's yeah. not working, people.
1: Well, let's keep it. Let's keep it hundred percent, though. I do believe more so than ever before that the establishment is concerned about Dr. West. I think they are concerned about his message, about how far he might be able to take this if he is given an actual, if he has an actual infrastructure. If Dr. West is able to raise money, he is going to be a problem. And they know that. And so here is what they had to say on the most trusted name in news the other day, CNN. But it is always interesting to hear what they have to say regarding the competition and what they're throwing out to the drones and for them to hear. Senior advisor to President Obama, David Axelrod, warning Biden could be facing a third-party spoiler, specifically from Green Party candidate, Cornell West. Axelrod tweeting, quote, in 2016, the Green Party played an outsized role in tipping the election to Donald Trump. Now, West is their likely nominee. They could easily do it again. Risky business. This comes as less than 40% of Americans say they view Biden or Trump favorably. Almost one in four voters, in fact, say they don't like either candidate, which is a key part of Cornel West's pitch.
2: I just thought about all the creative, imaginative, courageous fellow citizens that I meet. And how do we end up with the two candidates? Trump on the one hand, Biden on the other. Good God. With Brother Trump, you've got a Uh, a a gangster in the objective sense. And with Biden, again, I love the brother, but he's a hypocrite and he's pushing toward World War III when you talk about what what, what he has to say about China and Russia.
1: This recent NBC News poll really stood out to me. 45% of Democrats say they'd consider backing a third party candidate. Compare that to 34% of Republicans. How concerned do you think Joe Biden should be tonight?
2: He should be a little concerned. And I'll say this because you know, my affinity with uh, uh, to Cornel West, he's my frat brother. I got my PhD in part because I was in, drawn intellectually to the heft of his scholarship. Um, So he resonates and he has resonated particularly with the African-American community for quite some for decades, frankly. So if you're Joe Biden, you know this is likely to be a close race, whether it's DeSantis or Trump, whoever it is, that it's those margins in some states, in a handful of states where this third party candidate could be effective. Particularly when you look at 2022, you see that numbers, especially in the African-American community, were not where the Democrats needed them to be. So if there is concern about how close the general election might be with memories of Jill Stein from 2016, Mm -hmm. this is going to this should concern uh, uh, Biden and Democrats a little bit based on the issues that Cornell West will be able to address.
3: I like how it's never too early for uh, a bunch of people who get paid to uh, do propaganda at the behest of the establishment to pretend that they don't understand how the electoral college works, to pretend they don't understand how counting works. It's it's remarkable. And they're going to do it again. They always. Okay, guess what? 2016. The only way you could make the argument. First of all, the spoiler argument is bullshit off the bat because it assumes that one of the parties is entitled to your vote. That's horseshit. Second of all, even if you want to use that horseshit argument, um, the only way a third party made a dent in 2016 is if you assume that every third party voter would have been for Democrat. Otherwise, that's bullshit. A lot of uh, what what was it? Gary Johnson. Was he 2016? Yeah, yeah, it was Gary Johnson 2016. And then it was uh, George Jorgensen in 2020. But unless you think every Gary Johnson voter would have been Clinton otherwise, which they wouldn't have been. Most Gary Johnson voters either, A, wouldn't have voted or they would have voted for Trump. Most well, Jill Stein that's why voters- they blame
0: Jill Stein. That's why it's Jill Stein's fault because her voters definitely would have been Hillary voters. I can safely say that's not true because I was yeah, a Jill Stein true. voter and there was no universe wherein I was voting for Hillary Clinton.
3: Right. And that's most I mean, look, they, they try to make it out like these aren't actual parties. The Green Party is a political party. The Libertarians are a political party. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of them would not vote if their candidate wasn't on the ballot. You know, and, and it's like we've we've seen this record spun over and over again. There are still people out there blaming Nader, even though we have the actual evidence like that's not true. They they did all the polls. Most of Nader's people wouldn't have voted otherwise. Some of Nader's people would have voted for Gore. Some of them would have voted for Bush. So guess what? He took votes away from Bush, too. And guess what? You know what voting bloc did make more of an impact in 20, uh, 2000 than Nader voters did? The amount of Democrats who voted Republican in that election. A bunch of Democrats voted for Bush in that freaking election. How amazing is it that a major political party in this country, instead of looking at their own freaking members who didn't vote for their candidate, they blame a different party? It is Amazing! Like, like, like. There's no like. Try explaining American politics to someone who doesn't live here, and 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 then throw your freaking remote control against the wall after 30 seconds. It, it, it's unreal. It's, it's unfucking real.
1: And it's the same BS when it comes down to election being stolen. The only election that was stolen was Bush versus Gore, and everyone knows that. Right? And Hell as a result, yeah. you know, you want to talk about the Supreme Court and what the Democrats chose not to do when they had an opportunity to try to push Garland through uh, the president at the time. Of course, Obama did not do anything of the sort, but I'm sure it had more to do with what Hillary wanted to make sure that there was that wedge that she could use in the general election didn't work. But the only reason why Roberts and Alito were on the court right now is because of Bush getting into the White House when he shouldn't have Oh, and totally, then and, and then over the course of Trump's presidency, they rehabilitated George Bush like he was a completely innocent bystander, even though he's the biggest war criminal, maybe walking the earth right now, assuming that Dick Cheney's still alive. And that that I think speaks a lot more to it's it's a game and you're the one being played, and eventually you're not just gonna be played anymore. I think people will eventually just get tired of feeling like they're they're being treated as idiots. I don't think people are dumb. I think that there's a huge problem with tribalism. There's no question that that plays a big role. But I think eventually you recognize in some ways that the best thing that could have happened over the last few years is that Biden has been such an epic disaster of such immense proportions that it's, you can't just say Trump, Trump, Trump anymore, and people are gonna get all f- afraid. They're like, I think we're kind of screwed either way. I think that's the general consensus that most people are taking on at this point.
0: Yeah, well, I think so for sure. And now you've got Biden uh, appointing Elliot Abrams to a bipartisan something, something diplomacy. And I'm thinking, how in the world are you gonna tell me that Trump is so scary, I'm so scared. Like, because what scares me the most of people in the executive position is who they appoint. What scares me the most about them are who the people that they bring on. And you've got Biden bringing on someone who should be in prison. And and that and and by the way, where where is Ilhan Omar on it now? Where are all the people that were against him being appointed by Trump? Why is nobody in there saying anything about this?
1: It's not just that you know, you also have the fact that when Trump was president, you had the Democrats rubber stamping all of the federal judges, all yes. of them. There was no. Some of them. Yes. them. Remember the one time that they asked Pelosi about that and she said, we, we have to get home for the summer. It's like if you can't see the scam, I, I, I don't have any sympathy anymore. That's why, you know, like I said, I, I get very. Uh. You know, I, I get very assertive when it comes to the culture war stuff. I'm like, you guys are just you, you're you're missing the bigger picture here. You're you're not recognizing why this is becoming a main topic of discussion.
0: But we still have to handle that shit. No, like I, I, I appreciate, no, it's, I'm, 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 I appreciate no, it's a I'm, I'm, distraction.
1: I'm, 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 all right, look, a better example would be the nonsense that's going on with TyT right now and Anna and the rest. Well, can of we, we not?
0: Talking. We're not going to talk about that. We're right? We're not
1: right. going to talk about okay. it. That's the point. There is no point in talking about it. The only thing we could do is control what's in front of us right now. And what I think is of greater importance is the fact that AOC, who is supposedly this leader, if you will, of the left movement, she isn't, at least not anymore, decided that this is what she's going to do, even though I have a lot of respect for what she's done in New York City and what she's done to inspire a lot of people. But she is a career politician now, and a lot of people need to realize that, and here's why.
0: This is just pitiful. This is pitiful.
2: Robert F. Kennedy Jr.
3: Then, so presidents only primary opponents are Marianne Williamson, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Haven't been any rumors about anyone else even thinking about jumping in. Will you be supporting Joe Biden for re-election?
2: Uh, I believe, given that feel, yes. I think he's done quite well, uh, given the limitations that we have. Um, I do think that there are ebbs of blows. Uh, as there are in any president uh, in any presidency. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, for me, the bigger problem isn't so much that she said, well, among that field, yes, because quite honestly, okay, whatever. It's that then she pivoted to he's doing a good job and then sort of made it be like, well, it was the equivalent of Trump's there's good folks and bad folks on both sides. Like that's how ridiculous it was that she just sat there and tried to like rose color anything that this president has done. I mean, th- these, this is the same person that couldn't get past the parliamentarian. So I, I don't understand how anybody could be singing his praises.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I I don't see what planet you're living on if you're gonna say he's been doing a good job. He First of all, I mean, again, as a digital rights guy, he may be the first president in recent history that will not even have a fully staffed FCC for the duration of his freaking term. Uh, actually, it's supposed to happen maybe this week. So, so finally, after after like nearly you know three years, he's he's going to actually have an FCC and and fulfill one of his like easy slam dunk promises where it's like, come on, dude, you have to at least give us this. But um, you know, he's missed the mark on everything. He set up the student loan forgiveness to fail. He knew he was setting it up in a way that it was going to fail. He did it on purpose. Uh, couldn't get us healthcare during a pandemic. There were so many executive orders he couldn't have done. Didn't do one of them. That's why whenever I hear people say like, "Oh, Bernie, we wouldn't have we wouldn't even be better off if Bernie was president." I'm like, "I'm um. sorry." Bernie has pissed me off many, many times, especially in recent years, and he'll piss me off a couple more. I guarantee it. However, on what you're living on a different planet if you don't think we would be a million times better off if Bernie Sanders was president right now. Would we still have a million problems? Yes. Would Bernie piss us off a bunch? Yes. But are there some executive orders that would be pretty like that would be life saving for some people, life changing for a lot of others that Bernie would have done? Yes. Yeah. Also, yes. So, yes, we would be a million times better off. Still a million and five problems, but a million times better off. I'm sorry. Yeah. I know that it's really I know it's cool and contrarian to say otherwise. But if you want to live in reality, yes, we would be way better off if Bernie Sanders was freaking president and had been since 2020. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I I think that AOC and all of them, I mean, it's not just AOC. It is all of them. You know, when you get. In the club, and you get into uh, you know the Democratic establishment, and you get to be ciao, Holly, stai, and and you get to be a career politician. You're gonna make that decision. It's like when somebody works for a certain car dealership, and no matter what you do as a customer, you can't get them to say that yes our car is not as good as maybe this other car. You can't get them to bash the car. Maybe they're working at a Kia dealership and you could be like, hey, is Lamborghini a nicer car than a Kia? I mean, anyone could subjectively say yes to that, right? But they got to be like, well, the Kia offers a better value or something like that. They have to. It's the same thing in political parties. You can't say that your guy is shitting the bed. Even if he is probably quite literally shitting the bed. I think that's totally possible for Joe Biden at this point. You can't say it though. You can't, you gotta sugarcoat that freaking Reagan clone turd. And that's what AOC's doing. That is what AOC's doing. And 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 th- does she have the option to really buck the system and go against all that? Yes, she does have that option. Is she going to? Clearly not. She's not. And when it comes to the squad, I mean, a lot of people have their takes on this where it's like, oh, people are going too hard on the squad. They're outnumbered. What do you expect from them? Okay, look, they are outnumbered. That is just mathematically true. Nobody denies that. But they're not using what leverage they do have. And if they acted as a block time and time again, there'd still be a lot of losses, but there would have been a couple wins, too. Instead, we have nothing but losses because they never act as a block. I get that you're outnumbered, but yeah. you're not using the leverage you got. And that's the freaking problem.
0: Yeah, well, and they're not using their platforms and they're not using their time outside of Congress. Like we tend to focus so heavily on what's happening policy wise, legislation wise that's where they're completely outnumbered. So it's not like AOC is gonna be able to get like Medicare for all through, we get it, right? okay? But what you could be doing with your platform and how you could be speaking out. I look at her and I've never met her. I don't have any personal judgment about her whatsoever, just objectively looking at her. And I really look at that as a very failed opportunity in so many ways. Like to me, she had an opportunity to be Katniss Everdeen at a moment when it was really needed and to really stand up for that. And I think what it really came down to is age, immaturity, um, a lot of different variables in terms of what allows somebody to have the, the wherewithal it takes to not fall in line. And I think that's something that for most people, they don't necessarily have down in their 20s. Um, so I've always kind of st- thought with her a lot of it has to do with that. But yes, it's very unfortunate, and I would like to say that the first 100 days of a Bernie Sanders presidency would have been life-changing, life-changing. And I don't care what, you, I don't care what anybody says about Bernie, you're wrong, Metalopoly. And there are things that would have happened. Julian Assange would be pardoned. Nonviolent drug offenders that are in federal prison would be pardoned. There are things that would have happened. Cannabis would be decriminalized, student debt would be paid off. Like there are definitely things that would have been handled. And to act like that's not true is just being really stupid.
1: The most important thing to remember, if Bernie had become president, whether in 16 or 20, he would have done a number of things that would have changed this country for good. He definitely would have canceled student debt. He definitely would have decriminalized cannabis. He would have made it his mission to try to form some type of an injunction to get everybody health care at least through the pandemic. And then it would have been near impossible to try to take it away, whatever that may or may not have looked like. Um, He's a little shaky on foreign policy. I will definitely say that. Um, But his instinct is not to go to war. And I think if he had the bully pulpit, there are countless amount of things that he would have been able to do in terms of rallying the country, in terms of their interests. There's also a multitude of different long term, uh, you know, trickle down benefits that would have happened as a result of him being the president. The two most obvious, of course, being that he would not have staffed his White House with Wall Street and Silicon Valley. So you could start with that right there. He wouldn't be
0: appointing Elliot Abrams. I could tell you that.
1: And then
3: just to be totally fair here, he would also be dealing with a Congress who would be working against him and he wouldn't play hardball with that Congress. So so like I mean, it's just, you know, I mean, Everything you're saying is right on. I, I I just think we should be clear that we're not suggesting it would be all wine and roses. No, no, but at all. It, but it would be a million times better. A and million also, times better. And,
1: and I also think if he was president, especially in '20, you would have seen a much greater impact from the squad, if you will, in terms of being able to step out and support down ballot candidates. Particularly in a circumstance, let's say when Jen ran against Debbie, there probably would have been, if Bernie was the nominee in 2020, that would have been a completely different race as far as I'm concerned. There would have been a much easier time to, you know, let's say, all right, now we got to put on the full court press because Bernie is going to need people in the halls of Congress that are going to be working on his behalf and be working on behalf of his agenda. And so I think that would have, there would have been a plethora of different benefits that would have come even if they would have attempted to stonewall everything that he was attempting to do. But he is certainly somebody who, to me, would have made an exceptional effort in terms of getting through those executive actions without asking what the parliamentarian's opinion was, what Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema's opinion was. There would have been a lot of things that he would have done that would have put this country on the right track and right now as a result of joe getting in there we're now staring down the barrel of another trump four year term in this country and so it's easy to see why something like that happened when it could have been avoided but this country's heavily propagandized they're led yeah. to believe constantly that we're not entitled to anything and the worst part about what happened you know 2 years ago and jen and i were full on with Jimmy and the rest of them, that we do need to force the vote on Medicare for All, even if it fails. You need to start somewhere, you need to be able to push this in the direction that it needs to go in. And then ultimately the whole thing got marked down in the leftist drama bullshit that we don't have time for. And they're all guilty of it, especially him. They all want to get clicks and fight. And all I'm thinking is how the hell are we going to unite the working class behind labor? Like,
3: I don't don't think any – I don't really think YouTube shows actually play a significant role in any of that. Mm -hmm. Um, Force the Vote was totally a good idea. I don't care what YouTube shows liked it, which ones didn't. It it was a good idea. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's an idea that can be traced back to the DSA's uh, handbook. And uh, it was it was just a it was a smart thing to do. And the fact that it didn't happen and we see similar things. I mean, we've seen similar things here in California where, you know, our single payer bill was shelved because um, people chose their colleagues over the will of the people. They didn't want their colleagues to look bad when they voted it down. That's what the deal was with Medicare for All. It probably wouldn't have gotten through. Well, it definitely wouldn't have gotten through. Let's be honest. And even if it would have, Joe Biden would have vetoed it. We knew that. But you know what? You got to you got to issue a shot across the bowels and you got to get people to show their hands because a lot of people are saying they support Medicare for All when it was conveniently politic or politically convenient for them. Let's see if that was real. Uh, Not to mention, I mean, how many times was the NHS voted down before it finally got through? That you know, they, they entertain this fantasy that if something gets voted down, it's just dead in the water. No, you just reintroduce it, and instead of like, um, you know, instead of having a shot across the bow and a vote on record, you know, they just have all these symbolic reintroductions on Twitter where there's like a hundred people watching and it goes absolutely freaking nowhere.
1: Yeah, and there are, uh, and again, there is something to be said. Um, look, Colinello. Great supporter of the show. Appreciate you having you here. Look, this argument that you're making, this isn't going to work, buddy. It's just not going to work. Well,
0: it isn't that that it matters. No, no one thinks that. But what we do think is that we do think there's finally a shot of a third party getting the five percent mark. So, right. so I think that that is the critical thing. Not to mention whatever progress. And proponents of of good policy are out there from his campaign and other down ballot races that have places where Greens might be able to make some inroads. So I don't think it's so much about, oh, can Cornell West win? I think it's how much can he achieve with his campaign that can help with our effort? Like that, that's how I view it. And if getting 5%, I do think is feasible and that would be a big help.
1: I agree. And they are when they talk about him on corporate media as they did on CNN, they're talking about it from a place of fear. They're not looking at it as, let's just bash the hell out of him. They're almost looking at it as, man, we really don't know how to go at this guy because he really knows how to counterpunch and he really knows how to garner support from a lot of different people. And here's one thing, Ron, that I do give RFK a lot of credit for. He is going on every single major political podcast that is out there on YouTube. Dr. West needs to be doing the exact same thing. Every major member he goes on a bunch of stuff. stuff. Dr. West Bar- goes on a bunch of stuff. stuff. But he's but he's gotta he's gotta go into he's gotta go into spaces that maybe aren't necessarily as friendly to this idea of <laughs> socialism and stuff like that.
3: I'm sorry. RFK is a guy who's getting his 15 minutes in the spotlight and he's freaking enjoying it. So now all of a sudden he's some online contrarian edgelord because he's being embraced in those spaces. All of a sudden he's into crypto. All of a sudden he's into this and that. He has a couple. I mean, I like what he has to say about Russia and Ukraine. I question its sincerity. I hope he's sincere. I don't know because I don't know if he's sincere about anything. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, there's no comparison between the two. I'm no, sorry. Cornell no, West is a public intellectual who yeah. for years has been educating people, for years has been on the right side of things, and at the age of 70 is just getting started. RFK Jr. is just a clown. Who is getting his fifteen minutes in the spotlight, and he's going to milk it for all it's worth?
1: And and, and you're right, and and that's what I'm saying. I'm not. I'm not endorsing him as a candidate. I'm saying that he should follow his lead in terms of just getting out there in all these spaces. RFK is dead wrong on healthcare. He's dead wrong on Israel. And as Gerard Parker, Gerard Parker points out, yeah, there isn't a there is a lack of trust there that exists. Whereas with somebody like Doctor West, I don't question. The trust there. I think he is extremely sincere. And I think he is absolutely on the right path to potentially be a, a real force. Uh, how big? I don't know. Is it going to be big enough to get him on the debate stage? Look, even if he was somehow polling in double digits at some point, I just don't think there's any way that they would ever let him on the debate stage. They will come up with an excuse oh, as hell yeah, why he can't be there. They'll no, change they the rules. That.
0: They can't have Dr. West. Debating Joe Biden, they cannot have that happen.
3: No, I mean, and that's the one thing though. I think, and I'm curious what you all think. I think he does have a better chance, albeit small. I think he has a better chance as a third party candidate at eventually getting on a debate stage than he would if he ran as a Democrat. Oh, because for sure. they would just they the DNC would just squash it, and then he wouldn't make it out of primary. But sure. as a third-party candidate, there's at least a chance that he's going to make a big enough splash that they can't ignore it. And, and guess what? A lot of the general debates are controlled by the news networks. And guess what they like more than anything else? Frickin' buddy and frickin' ratings. So if they think our viewership is going to double or get a little bit more if, uh, if Cornell West is on that stage, they're going to want to put him on there. They don't give a hoot what his message is. They don't give a hoot about any of that. They just want money. They want the check to clear. They want to cling on. Election seasons are the only time where cable news can cling on to any fantasy of relevance because they are going the way of the Buffalo because they don't do journalism. They're complete and utter trash. They have no trust of the American people, deserved, deservedly so, because they're a corporate coup. And so they 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 rely on their Super Bowl moment every four years when they have these elections. So if they think Cornell West will be more for will do more for ratings, they're gonna want to have them on there. They're gonna ask them bullshit questions. They're gonna scapegoat them the same way they did with Bernie, but yeah. he'll be able to slice him and dice him because he's a freaking pro. And I really hope that happens.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think that the only way he has an opportunity to debate is running outside of the party. Um, that's the only thing that'll get him there. And I think it would be a bloodbath, I th- but, but I do think, and we saw this in North Carolina with the greens, when Matthew Ho was having all of his issues running that they will fight so, you know, if 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 the, if the Democratic Party wants to keep a debate from happening, they're going to keep it from happening amongst themselves. But come the general, the Greens will fight. So if that's their candidate, they will for, they will go into litigation and they will fight to get him on the stage. They're not going to roll over. So it won't be as easy to keep him off as a third party.
3: Yeah. I mean, the only problem there is like they'll have a fraction of the fraction of a fraction of a fraction of the resources everyone else has. And, you know, if they have to put resources into something like litigation, that's going to be a big fricking money suck that, and and that's how they get people. That's how they get you.
1: You're right. And that is something that will be employed because Mark uh, Elias, who is unfortunately, um, you know, he was somebody who was, uh, Uh, I guess he was the biggest corporate lawyer for the Democrats He worked hand in glove with Hillary Clinton. He's actually the person who was responsible for moving the money on the Steele dossier of all things. I mean, this is the attorney that got involved in North Carolina to basically ensure that uh, Matthew Ho could not get on the ballot. This is the guy who was just out there fighting relentlessly. And all of the ish libs that are out there praising this guy like he's some great guy. And all I'm trying to think of is you do realize that this guy who's trying to tell you that it's the end of democracy if the Republicans win, this is the guy who's actually practicing anti-democratic tactics. He's showing you in real time that that's what they're gonna do. So I just feel that the more we have these conversations, the more day by day, more and more people are waking up to this reality that this is a class war, that the working class has to unite Otherwise, we're we're going straight to hell. We've been going straight to hell for far too long. But I do think that more and more people are starting to see through it. I know you are a little bit more pessimistic than I am. And I'm pessimistic too, don't kid yourself.
3: I'm a realist, I mean, Peter. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that's well,
0: what all I mean, pessimists say, Ron. All pessimists say. That is
3: true. About. That is true. Well, here's, here's the one thing I'll say to push back on that a little bit, though. <laughs> uh, there's a difference between finding common ground and like, you know, sort of meeting in the middle, meeting people where they're at, discussing differences and having constructive disagreements and conversations and what have you. But that all goes out the window where somebody's quote unquote point of view is I hate you and you shouldn't exist. That's something that can't be tolerated. And unfortunately, we are living in those times where you have a lot of perspectives, quote unquote, that are literally, I hate this group of people, and they shouldn't exist. Okay, that's not a difference of opinion. Yeah, that's something that cannot be tolerated. So so I I would say like, like, that's the one area where it's like, when people are just like, well, we got to unite, we got to. It's like, you're right. But there's certain things now that are just far beyond the pale that have always existed. But I think right now they're turned up to 11. And that's a freaking problem.
1: I think yeah. it's turned up to 11 because of the agitators that are out there that profit off of it.
3: Maybe, probably. But either way, it's still turned up to 11.
1: Yeah,
0: it's bad. It's definitely bad. Look, I just try to stay focused on a mission and and work local and try to help as many people as possible and just try to keep an eye on the prize. And the fact that at least Dr. West got in this race was very, very – like. Because between the point when we knew there were a few people getting in on both sides and when he got in, I was really very sad. And so I felt like there's this glimmer of hope and there is definitely now at least a campaign that will be spreading the message that I, that I want to hear spread. So, so at, a very, at, at a very minimum, every time that Cornel West talks, he is spreading the message that I want people to hear. So like for that alone, I'm very, I'm just very happy that he's, that he's in it.
3: Yeah. Well, I like what DJ said. That was actually a really good chat. Not hopeful, but not without hope. That's a, that's a cool, uh, it's a cool okay. sentiment. I like that. You're
0: sort of in the middle, You're hope middle.
1: He hasn't given up yet. We're not going to let you.
3: Hope adjacent. Hope curious.
0: Hope curious.
3: Hope curious. <laughs> no, I, I mean,
0: identify I- as hopeful.
3: No, I I, I mean, I, I do too. I I think we can just, we can all find hope in different ways. I mean, yeah. I'm kind of with you where it's like, I find hope in my neighborhood. I find hope in like the <laughs> micro level. And, and yeah, I am also a big firm believer that it's like all politics are local, you know, whether it be in the literal sense, like just engaging in your neighborhood, or even in the sense that it's like you're fighting on behalf of policy and that starts right in your backyard. <laughs> So, so yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I'm definitely a hundred percent, uh, you know, with you there and, and Hey, I mean, it was the neighborhood that helped you find your dog.
0: Oh, that, that was the most like, but see, and that's what I see is that kind of stuff when we're out talking with regular people, that is what I see. So it's very frustrating when I see that the electoral political process, has taken right. over people's concepts as to everything that is, you know, relating to community or collective has to do with politics. And it's just not true. And that is it, it only is serving to separate us. Um, and so no, I find I find most people, like in neighborhoods, very friendly. Um, we've had very few experiences in canvassing and I've canvassed in so many places where I would say that the people weren't weren't nice.
3: Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean that's that's my experience in my neighborhood. You know, I mean, we're, we're we're the we're the harbor of Los Angeles, so we're kind of in our own little corner, and and there's, there's we're a big union town, so there's everything, um, you know. But there's also a lot of um, you know kind of old money in the neighborhood, people who have been around for a very long time. So you kind of get a little bit of everything. You get, you know, like, like the far left, you get kind of the center, you even get the right, and and everybody uh, yeah. Everybody for the most part mm-hmm. gets along when it comes to their neighborhood, so, so yeah. Yeah, I
0: appreciate that.
1: As the saying goes, everything starts at the local level and everything ends at the local level, and that's really what we need to focus on, because from the ground up is how the change will happen, and of course, there is a lot more work to be done, but if we cross-pollinate enough, there's no telling what could happen going forward. Ron, it's always a pleasure. How can people find you? Plug anything and everything you want. So Thank people you. about your work.
3: Well, everyone, check out my YouTube channel. Uh, it's just youtube.com slash Ron Please subscribe if you'd be so kind. Uh, my uh, The first episode of a streaming series I'm making called Loner is out now. Please check it out. It's a fun time. Uh, Ronplacone.com for all my tour dates. I'm mm-hmm. going to be in Edinburgh at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. Uh, so anyone in Edinburgh come out and see those shows in August and then October 21st, I'll be right in my neighborhood of San Pedro. Uh, and you can get tickets and all information at my website, romplacone.com. My fringe shows are actually free. So you just need the information there. So, uh, I'll see you all in Edinburgh and then San Pedro tickets are available at romplacone.com. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to have a movie hopefully done by the fall. It's being edited right now. Uh, our goal is fall. We are on pace to meet that goal. So uh once it's out I will be letting y'all know and hopefully uh, Miami will be one of the places we have a screening. Y'all are in Miami, right?
0: Well, we're we're in closer oh. to Fort Lauderdale, but yeah, we're South Florida.
3: All right. Well, South Florida somewhere we'll have a screening, either Miami or somewhere Miami adjacent.
1: That would be awesome. awesome. Count on it. Ron, thank you so much, much Ron.
3: Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. Love talking to y'all.
1: Anytime. Talk to you. Bye. Later. Peace. One of our best
0: no, and I always love when we have comedians in any capacity on. It always keeps it very entertaining.
1: It does. Uh, and I think there's, there's always going to be issues that we're 100% agreement on. Others we're not. Uh, the thing that we didn't really get to talk about uh, with Ron regarding RFK is just, you know, he, he talked about, obviously there's a, a huge focus on the negative, And I agree, Ron, you know, RFK is not my candidate. Uh, but I do appreciate a number of the things that he's saying. It also goes to show you what the status is of our politics right now, where somebody like RFK can just hop in there and immediately grab 20% of the vote, because that's how bad things are. And as we've said about Marianne, who doesn't even really have a campaign, is still hovering around 10%. There is a desperation in this country for other directions, other viable paths forward. And when somebody like AOC, for example, just comes out there in lockstep, it isn't even so much that she endorsed Joe. She could have endorsed Joe in a way just to say, look, he's the president. He has the best shot at winning. I disagree with him on a lot of key issues, but it's what's on the plate right now. And that's the fight that we have going forward. Instead, she says, oh, he's doing a great job. Right. What universe? Right. Well, that
0: was my thing. It wasn't so much that she said she endorsed him, given the field, as much as it is that then she went into praising him. It's one thing if you say, look, given where we are, yeah, I'm gonna do that. But to like act like somehow that, and, and the way she put it was given what we're up against. What are you up against? You had you, you a majority of people. What are you up against? I don't understand that.
1: And she's in a safe district on top of everything else.
0: Yeah, yeah, Which it's, disappointing. it's disappointing, but not surprising.
1: Yeah. And so when we talk How about...
0: It, lasted his usefulness in 96. Ah, well.
1: Long time come. And when we talk about where things are good in the Democratic Party, and there are, it's not much, but the upper Midwest happens to be the one region of the country where they do seem to be you know, t- taking whatever wins they can by using whatever leverage they've got and We have obviously sung the praises of what the Minnesota state legislature was able to do, um, you know, especially for working people and they had slim margins, but did it anyway. Tony Evers is the governor of Wisconsin. Uh, He has gone to great lengths to make sure that certain things are done on behalf of working people, even though it is a red legislature, but he has veto power and he uses it. And so in this case, he is using a partial veto to fund public schools for four centuries. I'd say that that's pretty damn impressive. What do you think?
0: Uh, look, anytime we see, it doesn't surprise me that it's somebody, it's Wisconsin, so it doesn't surprise me. They're, you know, they do a lot of things in the correct direction there. Um, I'm glad to see that there's some executive in some office somewhere that's actually taking the initiative to do what they can to protect their people. That's it. That's all we're talking about. And the fact that we have to be singing praises to this because it's such an anomaly is just really pathetic.
1: It shouldn't have to be this way, but unfortunately that is the hand that we have been dealt. On Wednesday, Governor Tony Evers continued a time-honored tradition in Wisconsin politics using a quirky Badger State governing tool to infuriate the opposing party. When approving the state's biennial budget, Evers exercised Wisconsin's unique, expansive partial veto which allows the governor to surgically remove words, phrases, and individual numbers or letters for appropriations bills when signing them into law, among other changes. Evers removed a Republican-authored provision that he denounced as a cuts benefiting the wealthiest individuals in our state, noting that roughly one-half of their proposed tax cut would go to filers with incomes over 200000 in a state like Wisconsin, comparative to a state like Florida that may be the equivalent to 300000 350000 It's a lot of money. He also struck the zero in $10 million to slash a piece of funding for the upcoming RNC convention, which apparently is taking place in the state of Wisconsin. Evers also uses veto pen to lock in funding for Wisconsin public school system for four centuries, changing the phrase 2023-24 school year and the 2024-25 school year to the 2023, to the 24, 25 school years. Uh, that's pretty impressive, I, I have to say. Uh, so let's uh, let's play a little bit of this video and we'll see what they have to say. Uh, Jen, your thoughts before we
2: play.
0: No, I wanna see the clip because I, I'm really like fascinated that there's actually states where their executives are trying to help people. Like the whole concept is fascinating to me. We don't have that here. That's for sure. Now to the results of two high-stakes elections sending political shockwaves across the country. A Democratic judge in Wisconsin has won a crucial Supreme Court seat, flipping control of the state's highest court. And a progressive candidate is playing victory in Chicago's mayoral runoff. Senior White House correspondent Mary Bruce has the latest. Hey, Mary.
1: I think this may, I I think this may be, um, for some reason, an older clip that they're playing, even though this is That's
0: old. I was going to say that's old news. That's not correct.
1: All right. So let's see. I'm Uh, like, why
0: are we, we know this.
1: All right. Let me, let me see if there's another article that has a clip of the information pertaining to this. Uh, Just
0: did it not say it in the article? I mean.
1: No, it did. But, you know, obviously I'm just going off of what's uh, being announced here so i think a lot of this is just rehashing old uh you know specifics maybe there really isn't a clip uh, pertaining to it at the moment at least not that i can see so right now um it would appear that that is the case so yeah uh i mean look governor ever's was able to win re-election by slim margins Uh, This will help
0: him next time.
1: It will. And it's unfortunate that Mandela Barnes uh, was not able to get through on the Senate. uh, And we're still stuck with Ron Johnson, which sucks. But somebody like Tony Evers, if he was to run for president, he would be a viable candidate.
0: Yeah. See, now when he turns out, he'll have this to stand on. I mean, it's definitely good for his record.
1: I agree. I, I think that there is a lot to be said for... You know, doing what's right on behalf of working people. There's no question at the state level, it's much different. And that's where having a viable competitive legislature really does make a difference. One of the problems that we have here in Florida is we do not have a competitive state legislature. The GOP just does whatever it wants. But yeah. a little bit too much of anything is not good. That's why competition is important. You see what happens when you don't have it in the state of Florida in a completely super majority red legislature. And then you see what happens in other states like California with a super blue legislature, and you see the negative effects there. The only state that seems to potentially have it at a high level would be the state of New York, which they're attempting to push through universal health care, the New York Health Act, still a main topic of discussion. But we know that the people who are standing in the way of that becoming a law is the Democratic Party, not the Republican Party. So credit again to the specific regions of the country, in this case, the upper Midwest, which seems to be the one part of the country. Uh, I would have said Michigan and Governor Whitmer, but unfortunately Governor Whitmer wants to be President Whitmer. Well, you know what,
0: here's the thing. I'd say this to her, clean up your water. OK, you clean up your water, you clean up your state before you start running for anything else. Sable, I'm with you. Unfortunately, when I'm here, I'm in an Airbnb, so I cannot partake while I'm doing this. Um, I don't have the luxury of being in my studio where I can do whatever I want. So so you go ahead and enjoy that for me right now.
1: If You guys appreciate our content and support our efforts to try to transform politics into service. Not an easy thing to do. Please go over to patreon.com forward slash generational change for as little as $5 a month. You can become a supporter of our show. And then now very safe Lulu is I can't
0: re- even, I'm not even dealing with her right now, so don't even ask.
1: Still in sticker form, but you get the Lulu sticker if you become an, a $5 intro sponsor of our small but mighty channel. $10 will get you the last mentioned parliamentarian bumper sticker. Remember, Status Coup has this right below- he salary. doesn't
0: anymore. He needs to oh, put it no. back up.
1: Yes. He, well, that would be nice, but maybe he has a reason. And Well, if, Tommy, probably
0: because now it's actually looking like Mansion could be a contender in that other, I don't know.
1: If you are so inclined to become a $25 a month patron or just want to chip in $25 to our cash app page.
0: Or at, at a minimum, hit the like button, people.
1: You're not getting a shirt for hitting the like button.
0: No, but could you please?
1: Yes. Smash the like button, guys. We've had a decent crowd tonight, but we don't have anywhere near the crowd that our friends at other channels have. I um, know. Probably many reasons for that. But any amount that you are able to help us with always helps the channel grow. And so if you are so inclined to make a contribution but don't want your credit card info stuck on the grid, make sure you head over to Cash App, dollar sign, Gen Change. Any and all amounts that you're willing to contribute will certainly help a great deal.
0: What do we have coming up?
1: Very good friend of the show and somebody that people should not forget about because she is still, in my opinion, a political powerhouse in the making. It'll be interesting to see what she chooses to do. I'm sure there is a lot to catch up on. India Walton, who should be the mayor of Buffalo right now, is going to be coming back on the podcast. We'll be having a wonderful conversation with her. Also trying to get Amy Valella on the show. Uh, two people that have been scorned uh, dramatically by the Democratic Party. Oh, yeah interesting to hear, uh, what they have to say. So as of right now, in very different ways,
0: mind you, in very different ways. That's what's so fascinating that the Democrats can sort of screw you from so many different directions. It's kind of like, it's, it's a mystery every time.
1: Yeah, no, but again, you can't expect every place in the entire country to just be completely devoid of any efforts to try to change things. It is unfortunate that it is only in the upper Midwest that the Democratic party does seem to have its act together. Uh, but in most other places that isn't the case. Uh, Credit a lot of the grassroots efforts that took place over the course of a number of years and do not discount the fact that some of Bernie's strongest efforts that you saw during the primary seasons took place in states like Michigan, Wisconsin, and Minnesota. That is not coincidence that now you're seeing the benefit of having that type of robust economic populism which has always been strong in that region of the country, red or blue legislature. So yeah. I, I think that there's a lot of benefit that can be found in the efforts that are being put forth, and we just have to continue to work on that. Uh, it's not an easy thing to do here in Florida, as most of you know, but that is the fight that is in front of us, especially when we're trying to get uh, you know, reproductive rights on the ballot come 2024. Have you We're been checking
0: the box? Have you been checking yes, the box? I've been
1: delivering. I've been delivering. And okay, been delivering. good. So, yeah. All right, guys. This.
0: So, you check back on Wednesday with us because India is going to be here. That's very cool. I dig her.
1: Next Monday, we will have <coughs> awesome friend of the show, Tom Hartman, will be returning. And then on Wednesday, let me, I don't know how far ahead we want to let everybody know who's coming on or not. Uh but right now, tentatively speaking, we are going to be doing a reproductive rights live stream with Anna Eskamani and see if we can have some additional individuals that will pop on. And then the following Monday after that, we have none other than Norman Finkelstein scheduled to come back on the show. So got a lot of uh
0: Did you reach out to Maxwell about coming on with Anna?
1: I have not, but I will message him and ask him if he would like to join us. So uh I appreciate you all uh, a lot. Some new faces in the crowd tonight. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. Make sure yes, Tom is channel. coming up.
0: We will be talking about the, his book. It's another book in the Hidden History series. It's the Hidden History of American Democracy. Um, I've been reading it. I'm almost done with it. Spoiler, and I, I like I his
2: books.
1: You. Yes, spoiler, we don't have one. No, no.
0: we don't. But it's very interesting because this really is more of a, he's a history buff. And so it really focuses on the founding fathers in terms of where they got the concepts from. You know, it's just really interesting. It's, he's not making any sort of like statement that it's in good shape now. He's simply diving into the history of it.
1: Well, we got to be ready to peel back that entire, rip that Band-Aid off because that is absolutely necessary. But you guys have been great. Make sure you get the stream out there to as many people as you can. Check out the clip that we put out tonight regarding Bradley Whitford being the keynote speaker at the Democratic Blue Gala here in Florida this weekend and why, as I break down, was a huge mistake and a also a breakdown of where the party really needs to go if it's ever going to get its act together in this state again. Because by giving up the state of Florida, you're talking about giving up 30 electoral votes and an, uh, an electoral infrastructure that is going to be built out much more effectively by the GOP in surrounding states like oh, yeah. Georgia, North Carolina, Arizona, and the like. Uh, so making that mistake is not smart. And there's obviously a lot of work out of us, but we control what we can. And so thank you guys, as always. As I said, smash the like button, hit subscribe, click the bell. We'll see you Wednesday.
0: Bye, all.